0: The deal is done for Chris. What does it mean for the Jazz future point guard position? We're talking about it coming up on Locked On Jazz. You are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. It is Locked On Jazz for the 15th of March. Chris Dunn signs a multi-year deal with the Utah Jazz. What does it mean for the ja- For Chris? A great story in a revitalization of a career story. And what does it mean for the Utah Jazz and their future and where their point guard goes? Since the trade, where do we sit? It's rather impressive, actually. We'll look at what a bunch of the Jazz players have done and the team as a whole. We actually kind of predicted it and what it means for the playoff run and where we are. Did you see the lack of rim shots in a game last night? The rim, the holy grail of defense, irrelevant in the playoffs. We'll talk about it, plus we'll do our lottery. Yesterday, the Jazz got the second pick of the draft. I'm David Locke, radio voice of Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. This is Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully making it way better to be a Jazz fan each and every day. Thanks so much for making Locked on Jazz your first listen of the day. We are free and available on all podcasting apps. We're on YouTube. You can join the group, chat with the community, have a little fun, uh, and uh, do that as well. Please subscribe. Five-star reviews are always welcome. We did launch, it's day old. I love it. um, Our new subtext group. Um, What it is is a private group, kind of, you think about some of my tweets going out to you that way, Uh, some of my insight yesterday, we did a little thing on Walker Kessler and his road trip, Uh, Empty the Noggin is back. Uh, after games, I'll give you kind of a quick breakdown of, of what I think took place and my thoughts on the ball game uh, for you. So it's exclusive premiere content uh, that you can get. It is a 14 day free trial as I try to figure out if I can make it any good for you as well so that you can bail out if it sucks. And then it's four ninety nine after that, so uh, a month. So you're welcome to join it. The link is at the bottom of our YouTube. Join subtext.com slash locked on jazz. That's join subtext.com slash locked on jazz. And for those i have already done it. Kind of cool. I uh, Hope you're liking it. I've been super impressed by their platform. The people who run Subtext, that's why we did a big deal with Subtext and Lockdown, so. uh And I'm part of the sample group. So glad to be doing it. We'll see if we can make it good for you if it's going to suck. How's that? Um, all right. Jazz signed Chris Dunn to a multi-year um, deal. Oh, by the way, I should point out, this is so fun. Today's episode is brought to you by Ultimate GM. Ever dreamed of becoming an NBA GM and managing your basketball franchise? Then this game is definitely for you. Download the game. Just visit ultimategm.com or look it up on the app store. Listeners get 100% free boost to their franchise when using the promo code LOCKEDON in the game. Our chat room, I'll talk, I'm sure I have to do an ad later for it. I'll talk about it later. It's hysterical. Like our NBA host chat room is like everyone just boasting about Ultimate GM. Um, it's like the Geeks game. It's like beautiful. All right. Uh, so the Jazz signed Chris Dunn. Um, Multi-year deal, not all of it guaranteed. Uh, this is, a, I think, interesting. He, he really earned this, which is great. Um, and, you know, I think it was clear that we needed to sign him to the end of the season. So they agreed to a two-year deal with next season being non-guaranteed. And this, um, you know, this is interesting because Dunn's played well enough that he could have decided, like, you know what? I'll just um, hang out, be a free agent, and see where I can go. But I think he obviously feels comfortable here, likes it here. Um, has been given a chance here and so he takes the non guarantee uh deal for next year and then there's I don't the, the next layer that I haven't seen anybody report yet and frankly um I kind of unplugged when we finally got home yesterday is what the trigger dates are. That that often has a a big deal. Like is the trigger date just the you know, beginning of the season is the trigger date sometime earlier. Do the Jazz have to commit? Here's what I think so interesting about this, and I mentioned this the other day, is that the way Taylor Horton Tucker is playing made this actually more complicated. So we were short a point guard. That's probably the number one offseason need for the Jazz is like a true point guard. Talon's done a really fabulous job, and I, but I, I'm not sure that he's quite a starting point guard in the NBA yet. Like he may become that he's only 22 years old. Let's not close the door on it. Don't put a limit on him, but I'm not sure that's who he is. So the number one thing the jazz have to do in the offseason is probably solve their point guard. They, they either might solve it through the draft, in which case then it's a real learning curve and, and an interesting year for, for the jazz to deal with. Um, and on a year in which your t- first pick is top 10 protected, maybe you're going to use that year to really develop a point guard. Uh, as your primary thing, and that's a hard way to win in the NBA. And if your your first round pick is protected one through 10, then maybe that's the right year to do it. Depends what you can find in the draft. Um, Or you're going to go sign somebody to play point guard, or you're going to turn it over, you know, to this group, Taylor Horton Tucker and Chris Dunn. The likelihood is there's somebody else coming in, which then you either, you could sign someone else and you draft like your 27th pick as a draft. And you're going to want to give that guy some time, or he becomes your third point guard. So trying to figure out where Chris Dunn, Chris Dunn's been terrific. He's done a lot of things really, really well. And is, and he's and is, he's making a nice step. And I had a, a wonderful conversation with him the other day I wanted to share with you. Um, and what he's really done, frankly, is he's kind of figured out, I think, offensively where he can be effective. And he's that little floater, um, he is shooting at a level that I actually think is hard to sustain. I'm not sure he'll be able to hold it because, I mean, he's been up in the 65% range on that full uh, floater and feels like he hasn't missed one in about... Five games, uh, that's, you know, the league average on that is about 46, 47%. So when someone's at 65 on a small sample size, you'll generally say, okay, that's probably not really sustainable. But to Chris's credit, I think he's figured out that, okay, well, that's like I'm not athletic enough as a point guard, to be coming up and trying to finish over the top of the rim or getting all the way to the rim like I did in college. And his evolution is that, okay, I'm going to play the floater game and learn how to play the floater game, and he's done it really well. Uh, Last check, uh, he's at 62%. So that could fade. The Jazz are at 47% as a team, which is right on league average. Um, But I think, moreover, it's a confidence he's playing with for that. I, I was fortunate enough. So my point on the point guard situation is... This got a little complicated in the sense of the... And it's nice the Jazz not... I think the Jazz had no choice but to non-guarantee it because you just don't know what our roster's going to look like next year. Talon's playing well enough that you are like probably feel pretty comfortable with Talon being your second-team point guard. Maybe you're going to thrust him up a, a tier higher than that. But I think he's shown... He's under contract for $11 million next year that he can be the second-tier point guard. he probably be really good against second-team guards with that size, that strength, and that confidence that he's building right now. So, you know, while you're tra- signing Chris Dunn, you're signing him to your third, except for the fact that you don't actually know what your roster is. You could be signing a free agent and drafting one with a 27th pick, and then you really want that guy to be your third. Or you're going to draft one early, and then Chris Dunn's really perfect because Talon maybe is your second and Chris Dunn's your third. But if this kid struggles, then he can step in, and he probably also has pretty good guidance. And that leads to the other thing. I got really fortunate and got a chance to just We crossed paths on the road this week and just sat and talked. And, you know, I asked him if he's having fun. He said, finally, again. And shared with me that for him, it was the G League where playing with the guys who were making $40,000 a year, he got back to having fun. Um, And that the transition from Providence to the NBA for him was hard. That, you know, he didn't play great, but, you know, in his mind... And and certainly to say that was it being the fifth pick and the pressures on it and not playing great, I didn't I didn't react to it great. He was very you know forthcoming about that. But what he also said is just like you know you get to the league and everyone's you know it sounds silly but like everyone's trying to pay rent. Like they're they're doing more. Their rents are bigger than ours. But there's not the team camaraderie. There's not the that's not a natural thing in this league. Um, It's not a natural thing in pro sports because everyone's trying to make a living and earn their time and you're fighting for it and and this and that. And I mean, even all the great stories with Ron Boone and the Winning Time uh, documentary that came out where like magic comes in and Ron's like, not like you're not just taking my job. Like I actually want to play and have a living and they, you know, Ron, who's the best person ever, is like gives magic a hard time about it is the story. Um, And so Chris goes to Minnesota and he has a tough first year and then the politics of it, he gets traded and I think that kind of rips... Some of the fun out of it, you think you're established in Minnesota, you're a part of the group, and then you get traded to Chicago, and he goes to Chicago, and then frankly, you know, I think these stories, I don't want to harp on these stories excessively, but you know, the it's pretty clear the Fred Hoiberg to Jim Boylan years of Chicago were not a pleasant place for any player to be and to play in, and you know, the politics of it all, I think really wore Chris out. And he said that just, frankly, it was the G League that brought back a joy to the game for him. And that, then I thought this was super interesting. He talked about how he's failed. And, you know, a lot of what's driving some of that kind of nastiness around everyone or the, is also a little bit of a fear of failure, that I don't want to fail, I don't want to fail. Well, he's the fifth pick of the draft, and he's failed. Like, he's been to the G League. He played for—he's now bounced around, right? He played four games in Atlanta and 14 in Portland, and he played nine games this year. I mean, since the 1920 season, he's played a grand total of 27 NBA games as a fifth pick of the draft. That, that, unfortunately, in our world, goes down as a fail. And so he's like, hey, I've, I've failed. Like, I've been there, and I actually found out I was still okay. Um, and so I think it's really an interesting story. It, it was a really enjoyable conversation to see him and now his game evolved and, and how it works, but really the person. So here's this kid who's the fifth pick of the draft, played four years at Providence, and gets caught up in just all sorts of NBA junk, right? Minnesota traded. Minnesota has never been a great franchise traded to Chicago caught in the Hoiberg boiling years in Chicago, which were not good. It's just abundantly clear. And then, you know, and I also think like had the college experience of four years and that, and trying to recreate it, didn't get it all. Got it. When he went back to the G league and those guys reminded him like, this is supposed to be fun. We're battling, we're grinding. We're, you know, let's go after it. Let's do it together so we can all make it. Let's be in a collective environment. You would think the G league actually at times is even worse, but I think when it like the, the, what is it, uh, you know, misery loves company concept that everyone's there together opened up for him. So really neat to see, and I'm really happy for Chris um, that he's with us for the rest of the year and then he has a non-guaranteed deal for next year, which gives him some stability. Like he knows where he's going to camp. He has, and here's one thing that's important in this day and age for someone like Chris. He now has a training staff that he's working with all off season. If he doesn't take the non-guarantee for next year, he's actually just a free agent without a team training staff to work with, without a team to work with until he signs and finds the new one and probably not getting as much of a plan. Now the jazz really are invested into making sure and the jazz staff so terrific that he gets better, does has all these opportunities. So kind of a cool thing. Um, But our point guard position for the future is still majorly in flux and probably the number one thing we're looking at. So I wouldn't say that even as well as Talon and Chris Dunn have played that I would look at this right now and say like, Oh, well, we've got our point guard uh, situation figured out. I would say probably that is still not the case. Today's edition of Locked on Jazz is brought to you by our friends over at Intercap Lending. This is a longtime jazz sponsor. Uh, Intercap Lending came back, uh, well, they've been around for a long time. Josh Romney uh, purchased them and brought them back to Utah. And since they have just exploded, done a marvelous job. Why does a lending company explode? Well, because they get loans done, right? Like that's actually how it works. Realtors and people who need things done, they, if they're, if They're not going to a lending company that doesn't get deals done. Also, amazing customer service, and that's where our guy Steve Carter kicks in. We have our own personal loan officer for you at Intercap Lending. His name is Steve Carter, and Steve takes care of you. We just, you give him a direct call or you email me and I'll set you up with him email me at dlock09 at gmail.com and we'll give you that Steve's just amazing He's simply the best customer service person around and in intercap lending with their direct lender with their ability to do different loans with their ability to work on things uh, uniquely and independently and holding their own loans most often allows them to do a little bit more flexible things so go check it out 385-885-28 if you want to call Steve directly just make sure you tell him you're locked on Jazz so you can get the corporate discount or just email me at dlock09 gmail.com so I can connect intercap lending NMLS number 190465 for more information visit (coughs) intercaplending.com I mentioned it earlier in the show locked on I'm not sure that any of our locked on hosts are actually getting anything done I think they're just playing ultimate GM um ultimate GM is this super fun game it's almost like if you're old enough as I am you remember board games where you used to play them and you were basically the GM or it's like if you played one of the ea sports games and you flipped it over to general manager mode um so your dream to becoming an nba G- gm and managing your franchise well you manage every strategic aspect do you sign chris dunn or not what is your point guard future hiring the right coach trading players making draft picks navigating the franchise it's super fun a bunch of our guys won the championship i think uh, hayes of the bulls just won the championship he was posting it up all over our group chat uh so go check it out lock uh Locked on Jazz listeners get a hundred percent free boost to their franchise when they use the promo code locked on in the game store. So make sure to check it out to download the game. Visit probasketballgm.com, scan the code, or look into the app store. That's probasketball.com. GM, the uh, code is up on the screen. I'll leave it there for just another second. Thank you very much for making Locked on Jazz your first listen of the day. For your second listen, may I suggest Locked on NBA Big Board? I'm gonna reach out to Raphael and see if he wants to join the show tomorrow uh, to do a little draft talk on a Thursday edition. Friday will be Ask L O J. People in our Subtext group will get their questions first. So feel free to join subtext.com slash locked on jazz. Uh, if you'd like to, that's on the bottom of the screen as well. All right. Um I thought it was interesting to just I thought this was amazing. As we were playing Miami down to the wire the other night. If we had won that game, the jazz would be like an amazing seven-and-seven seven since the trades. Which is interesting because we were like basically seven and five hundred before the trades. Um, we're six and eight. What's interesting about the trades, and we actually, if you recall, I did a show right after the trades and said, "Hey, is there a chance like that we might be five hundred after this?" Um, and my thought was that we traded three players that were not particularly strong defensively. <clears throat> and that we added players that were stronger defensively because if they didn't play defense, they go home, right? Like that's my whole theory on a lot of these guys. Like they don't play hard, they go home. And that offensively, we would certainly drop, right? And that, um, <clears throat> and so, what would you know? Is there a chance though that we were, if you recall, and I'll I'll, I'll be specific here in a second, before the trade, we were this like offensive juggernaut, bad defensive team. And so the question I brought up was, well wait a sec, is there any chance that once we make this trade and we move guys that aren't particularly good defensively and then we but they are offensively and so we lose that aspect of things that will actually become better defensively, etc. So here's what's actually happened and it's it's pretty interesting to me. It's I think it's a little bit of a tribute to Will. Um, so we were 27 and 28 we made the trade. We're 6 and 8 cents. We're 6-6 when Lowry plays, which is worth noting. So we were the fourth-ranked offensive team in the NBA. We're now 19th. We're four points per 100 percentage points worse without Mike Conley, without Malik Beasley, without Nikhil alexander Walker, without Jared Vanderbilt. That's not surprising. Um, We've gone from the 10th-best shooting team to the 20th-best shooting team. We've gone from 25th in the league in turnovers to last in the league. We're turning the ball over two percentage more possessions more. So two more turnovers a game, basically, if we're playing about 100 possessions a game. Um, that's a lot. That actually, you know, we're, we're down four points. Up, we're down four points. And really what it comes down to is we're missing about one or two shots more than we used to make. Usually they're probably threes, two, or in the three range. And then we're turning it over one or two more times. We are offensive rebounding. Um, at a high, at a really, really high rate, and that's kind of covering up for some of these things. That's the plus going the other direction, and we're going to the line more. So we're missing probably two more shots. We're turning over two more times. We're gaining an extra possession a night on the offensive glass. We're up to thirty-three percent of offensive rebounds misses since the trade. Pretty impressive. We were at twenty-nine. We were sixth. We're now second. In the NBA, but that's a big jump. That's like that's six to seconds a big jump, bigger jump than say eleventh to sixth. And then we're going to the line, the ninth most of any team in the league, ninth rate, compared to fifteenth. So, um, what you're seeing offensively is we're not as good, we're four points less good, and it, it largely comes down to we are not taking as many threes and we aren't making as many threes, and then we're turning the ball over. But we're covering that up by attacking the rim a little bit getting to the rim doing those kind of things um, if we wanted to dig into it just here's a little bit more we'll look at shot frequency the difference um, between the two in this time period um, and I have to redo my filters unfortunately on this so give me one second and you'll see exactly what I'm talking about which is it's interesting again this is a little bit where I would you know you can only you're not I guess you as a coach you're not very good if you're so stubborn that that you, don't evolve with your team and the jazz team obviously evolved and Mike, you know, we went from Mike Conley who does not go to the rim anymore at this stage of his career and is facilitating and trying to uh, adapt, you know, get people good looks to Taylor Horton Tucker, Colin Sexton, who are attacking the rim at a pretty relentless rate all the time as your point guard. So, um, and then Chris Dunn's probably somewhere in the middle. So here's the shot distribution difference. We went from taking, 30% of our shots at the rim, 25th in the league, to now taking 35% of our shots at the rim, 13th in the league. So that's a huge difference. Long twos, it's clear, like that's not a part of our um game. And even mid-range shots aren't Long twos were just we're at 5.6%. We were at five 5.4%, 5. we were at 5.6. Like it's clear Will doesn't believe in a long two, which is good. Um we're taking 30% of our shots as non-threes, non-rim, and we were taking 29%. So we've literally just moved our three-point shots to the rim, which actually, interestingly, is a better shot distribution and uh, location effective field goal percentage now than we had before. Even though we were shooting better and had better players shooting, um, and we were taking the fourth-most amount of threes, we're now taking the 13th-most amount of threes, and we're at the rim more, which is actually better. Um, so that's in- to me, that's super interesting that here we are, and we've adapted... And part of the thing we're doing is actually taking better shots with this team than we were. Now, on the defensive side of things, this is what's kind of interesting to me. We were not very good defensively with the other group. We were 27th in the league defensively. And we basically traded our three primary guys that played. None of them are particularly good defensive players. And maybe at times are overmatched. And so we went from 27th to 19th defensively. We went from 17th to defending the shot to 7th. That's really encouraging that we are 7th in the league Defending the shots. We're not forcing any turnovers right now. We weren't particularly forcing turnovers before at 13.5% of possessions as turnovers in 22nd League, but we're li- now we're down to 10%. We're last in the league. So that, I think, you know, as Will looks at the last 30 games of the year and says, okay, well, this is our roster. Walker's playing drop a lot more. We're protecting the rim. We're doing all sorts of neat stuff. We're going to have to find a way to force some turnovers. 10% is probably too low. You never... I'm not the biggest believer in some of these things, and I you can't be good at all four factors, um, but you try not to be like on an extreme anywhere. Our defensive rebounding numbers, which were not very good, 25th in the NBA, and I think defensive rebounding is becoming more and more important in the league, and I wrote a whole Twitter diatribe on this the other day, um, is we were 25th in the league. We're now 21st, so that's nice. We've gotten a little bit better there, and then we're not fouling as much. The same part of... Um, not the same part of us not rebound, uh not forcing turnovers also means we're not fouling as much. Those usually go together. Not always, but usually, and so we're eighth best team at not fouling. What it means is we went from like the extremes. We're the fourth best offensive team in 27th ranked defense to 19th and 19th. So we're the 19th ranked offense and the nineteenth ranked defense, and we're virtually five hundred. It's it's really interesting to me. I mean, we're almost our differential is is not as good. We're minus three where we were plus one. We've had one or two nights where we got run. Um, and particularly that first night against Minnesota. Um, so that, you know, I think it's an, at least an interesting um, look at how we've evolved, how Will has adapted, how the players have adapted, and what we are as a team. Um, at this point, I thought it was worth taking a look at. Um, the defensive shooting frequency is worth taking a little bit of a look at as well. Um, let me make sure that all my filters are right as I bring these things up for you. Um, and they were not. So that was super good I that I checked that would have hated to give you wrong information. So if you look at what we're doing now with our defensive shooting frequency compared to what we were doing before, this is where, you know, is Walker having a lot starting? Is it a little bit of a better team? Are we having a better, you know, impact on things defensively than we were beforehand is what you're looking at here. And and I think we've changed with Jared. We were switching a lot. We are switching when Damien's on the floor. Um, right now, and we actually switched a little bit with Walker against Miami and played some really unique defenses. But here's where we are. Um, We were allowing 13th in the league at 33.7% of the rim. We're now down to allowing 30% of the opponent's shots at the rim. So that's really great. That's the key. The Holy Grail is stopping the rim. So we've gone, you know, we're allowing three percentage points less at the rim. Um, We still force a ton of mid-range shots. We're 26th in league or fourth best and we're fourth best again. And then what we are though has changed dramatically is that we are allowing above the break threes. We are not allowing any more corner threes. We're fourth in the league allowing corner threes. We're now third in the league allowing corner threes. But we've just giving up the instead of the rim, we're giving up above the break threes. That is generally what the league where the league's heading. So we're moving in the right direction there defensively since the trade deadline in, in this roster. We have the fifth best defensive shot distribution we had the eighth best before so will's been on this the whole time in the sense of having and i'm a huge believer this is dictated by coaches and and this is a sign to me of whether coaches are doing the right thing is when like we had a thing last year where all of a sudden our shot distribution defensively went wacky we tried a bunch of things defensively and they didn't work in the middle of the year last year and we suddenly were like one of the worst shot distribution teams it was like whoa what's going on um but right now uh you know i think that corner three so you you want to deny the rim you want to deny corner threes Right now, we're the 8th best team at denying the rim. We're the 3rd best team at denying corner threes. We were 13th and 4th, so you can see it being a coaching emphasis, but we've gotten better at it. So I think that's really cool. I just thought I'd look at those things. And then, you know, the individual players during this stretch have also uh, been interesting. We can look at that here in just a second. Plus, we have to do our... uh, I have a quick thing I want to point out from a game last night. Um, Good friend Connor Varney... uh, let me know about it. And then I want to also uh, do our fun little lottery that we're doing every night. So we got some fun stuff still coming up on the show. Today's show is brought to you by our friends over at FanDuel. FanDuel, the official sportsbook of Locked On. It is time, basketball, the month of March, all the greatness, gets underway, you can become a new customer and get the no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bet back. If your first bet doesn't win, download the FanDuel sports app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. You can do four court market spread over under totals, all sorts of things like that. You can also do player prop bets and create exclusive bets. It's super fun. And it's safe, easy, secure, it is the number one sports book in America. FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance to a bigger payout with same game parlay. So don't miss the chance to get your no sweat. First bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to fanduel.com slash locked on. That's fanduel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sports book of locked on, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Thanks so much for making Locked on Jazz your first listen of the day. We do have our new group, the Subtext Group. You're welcome to join it. The link is at the bottom for you right there. It is joinsubtext.com slash Locked on Jazz. It's a 14-day free trial, but it is $4.99 after that. It's one-on-one interactions with me, exclusive content. Um, It's kind of our new venture we're running for premium people for Locked on for premium fans, Uh, and I'm excited to well, as CEO of the company and as Locked On Jazz, I sample these things. So, But I'm one day into it and think it's super cool. All right. Um, quick run through of what our players have done since the trade. Well, oh, we actually could do that tomorrow. Well, tomorrow we're trying to do Rafael Barlow. So a few things on... Um, Talen's only played five games. or I mean, Collins only played five games or two and three. Lowry's played 12 games or six and six. Walker's played 13 were six and seven. So interesting to see that. Um, Lowry is averaging 28 points, 46% for the field, 34% from three taking nine threes and seven free throws a game. It's so great. And he has the one disaster game in there in a small sample size. Um, Talon's averaging 15 points, six assists, five rebounds. Really great. He is also averaging four turnovers. Um, and we're last in the league in that. So that's, you know, let's be let's give the whole picture. I think the most exciting thing for Taylor is on three threes a game, he's shooting 35% from three. That's really the next step. Can he be an average NBA three-point shooter? And if he is, then his other skills all become awesome. So from an offensive standpoint, that, I think, is the coolest thing. Uh, The player that jumps out to me the most in what he's done is Kelly Olenek. He's just an incredible Swiss Army knife of of whatever you need. So he's playing 29 minutes. He's scoring 13 points. He's grabbing seven rebounds. He's timing out four assists. He is turning it over two and a half times. It's still a little picture. And he's shooting 53% from the floor and 41% from three, and he's actually taking three and a half threes a game. Like, that's pretty amazing. Good for Kelly. Chris Dunn, 12 points, 5 rebounds, 5 assists, 53% shooting. And again, two threes a game. He's never going to be high volume, but can he be better than the you know 28% he was in his career? He's at 37. Uh, Walker's at 12 and 12 in his last 13 games. Walker's numbers really, you look back to when he started starting. And Ochai's interesting. Ochai's playing 27 minutes a night and his numbers have slipped. Like, fine. So 41% from the floor and 33% from three. And his numbers have really slipped, I think, because he's playing 27 minutes a night, and he's guarding primary guys, and he's being guarded by primary guys, and he's trying to do more in his game, and that's exactly what we want. Like, you do not want zeros out of Ochai right now. You want big numbers, one for 10, two for 11, three turnovers, three assists, two rebounds. You just want stuff. Because if you're making mistakes, you can fix those into something. If you become docile and you're not doing anything out there, that's really the problem. All right, I wanted to look at one thing with you from last night. Um... There was not really many close game, late game watches, and I didn't do it. Um, But there really weren't any last night. Um, So there were no close game watches to watch last night. This is incredible. So one theory that I had from last year was that to make the playoffs, you have to deny the rim. Defensively, you're going to make the playoffs, you have to deny the rim. But once you get to the playoffs, the good teams don't go to the rim anymore, so you have to change your defense. This was a little bit of Rudy's problem. Last night in the Milwaukee Bucks-Phoenix Suns game, there were nine shots taken at the rim in the entire game. Nine shots taken at the rim in the entire game. Phoenix took three shots at the rim. This is probably why Brooke Lopez should win MVP, defensive player of the year over Jaron Jackson. Phoenix went two for three at the rim, but also Milwaukee went five for six. There were 109 non-restricted area twos taken in this game. That's absurd. Phoenix took 73% of their shots as mid-range shots. They took 23 long twos. It'd take us a week to take 23 long twos. Now, to their credit, they made some of their long twos. Their short twos in in the mid-range, they didn't. They shot 41%. They shot league average. They shot 45% on their mid-range shots. In fact, Milwaukee wins this game because Milwaukee had an unusually good mid- uh, shooting game in short mid-range. They went 21-33 to 33 for 64% and beat them. But just an interesting note on that kind of theory that I've always had about this, which is that, or not always, but I think this is the new stage. To get to the playoffs, you actually have to deny the rim because over the course of the year, if you deny the rim... Your defense will be good. Your shot distribution's good. And most and and a lot of teams you'll just go beat because that really hurts them. Here are the teams denying the rim in the NBA. Golden State at an incredible rate. 25% of shots by opponents are five percentage points more than anyone else. Like a story that's not being told in the league is what is Golden State doing in rim defense? Milwaukee, Boston, Miami, then Houston's in there. Give credit to Steven Silas for that. Washington, Orlando, Lakers, Clippers, pelicans were 13th it's a it's interesting um but of the bottom teams i don't think any of the bottom other than cleveland which is surprising they allow so many rim shots of the bottom 10 teams in the nba there's a real chance none of them make the playoffs so you have to deny the rim to make the playoffs but then once you get into the playoffs none of those teams need to go to the rim anymore all right is it time for lottery I wonder if I could find a way to just share this every day. I don't think so. I don't think I have it set up for display window capture. Let's see what happens if I do this. Nope. Oh, but I can do that. Here we go. At home, I know how to do this. On the road, it's not as easy. For those of you on YouTube, you're going to get the real signal. We're using Tankathon. We do this together every day. Here we go. It takes away some of the drama. If you can see it happen, because when I read it out, but for the audio listeners, here we go. The number one pick of the NBA draft goes to the Detroit Pistons. Number two, Dame Lillard in Portland. Do they go Scoot Henderson? Do they go Brandon Miller? Rising talk of Brandon Miller as the second pick of the draft, which is um, interesting. And frankly, uh, what Raphael Barlow of Locked on NBA Big Board, the main host, talked about about three months ago, and he got throttled for it, um, but he might be right. Scoot Henderson's been shut down for the year, by the way. Third pick of the draft, the San Antonio Spurs. Fourth, the Dallas Mavericks. That'd be pretty good for the Mavericks. They missed the playoffs, and they then go get the fourth pick of the draft. To go with Luca. Houston. It's probably one of the kids. Maybe one of the kids out of Arkansas. Uh, Houston, five. Charlotte, six. Orlando, seven. Eight, Indiana. Chicago has to give up the ninth pick to Orlando, so Orlando goes seven and nine. Washington, 10. New Orleans, 11. Utah would be 12th under this scenario. Toronto, 13. The Lakers at four 14 and not in the playoffs. So then they do not give up their pick to New Orleans. I thought they would still, Oh, it's maybe in that mid level is where it's not protected. Interesting. So the Utah jazz would end up with the 12th pick, the 17th pick and the 28th pick Denver's lost last night, slipped them behind Philadelphia for the record. So Philadelphia moved to 28th in the league. Third best record in the NBA, three best records in the NBA right now are all Eastern conference teams because Denver's struggling. All right, that is Locked on Jazz for the day. No lottery luck for us today. Thanks so very much for making Locked on Jazz your first listen. I'd suggest Locked on NBA Big Board as your second listen. If you'd like to, come do the 14-day free trial on our subtext at joinsubtext.com slash Locked on Jazz. Appreciate you very much. Thanks for tuning in. Have a wonderful day. It's the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day.